Weddings, college graduations, your stepmom placing third in a dog grooming competition. We've all got reasons to gift this summer, so give them something they'll love, drinks. And get them all from Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on beer, wine, spirits, then get them delivered in time for your summer celebrations. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Ding dong, it's Drizzly. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Reed Galen, my partner in crime at the Lincoln Project, co-founder of SAME, all about writer, a thinker about authoritarianism and the weird movement we're in right now, and the host of the Lincoln Project podcast, which is a monster podcast that you absolutely have to subscribe to, rate five stars, tune in, do all the things, because he gets some of the absolute top guests in the business and is a tremendous interviewer. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Reed, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Listen, um, I think that's all I need to hear. I'll see you next time. Yeah, just Venmo me after we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, uh, Reed, I'm, I'm glad you came on today because... I really want to cover uh, a couple of the the big things that are swinging around right now. Mm-hmm. First off, uh, we've talked a little bit about this already. I want to get your feelings and your take on on the Tucker departure and the future of Tucker. And if you agree with my sense that, you know, since we always have to anticipate the worst, that the worst could come if Tucker decides to get a hard on for running for president. Uh, well, I mean, there's certainly all, all, always that. You know, Rick, I spent five weeks in Florida in the in the winter of 2000 uh at the in the recount um and i thought that that would be the craziest thing i'd ever seen in politics and every year in the 23 years hence it's gotten crazier um and not not like you know year over year but like compound crazy like compound interest the crazy compounds year in and year out and so um what's tucker gonna do um you know he had that video that he put out um uh i guess on Mm -hmm. the wednesday after his firing that was two minutes and 15 seconds of dog whistles. It was like for just a few minutes, Rick, he put the bullhorn away, I think understanding whatever legal strictures he might be under vis-a-vis his departure. Um, I don't think he probably knows yet. Um, You know, Fox was was a big enough medium to hold him. I'm not sure that there's anything else in the right-wing ecosystem that that serves that purpose. Um, But I would venture venture to say, though – that given how much money flows into the MAGA movement and its attendant properties, um, that it wouldn't surprise me if somebody throws a bunch of money at him and says, start Tucker Inc. Yeah. I mean, you could see, you know, if Elon Musk will drop $44 billion to buy Twitter, why wouldn't he throw $250 million at the Tucker Carlson white power hour? <laughs> I mean, it- <laughs> white power hour. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, you know, it could be streaming, it could be free, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, 
20, 30 percent of the people that watch Fox could could flee there. Look, if it was only a million a night, right, he'd, sure. he'd be bigger than just about anything else um, short of broadcast television. So I, I think that he we he's going to, you know, he'll spend a little while, I think, sort of figuring things out. My guess is, Rick, you know that world as well as I do, but there's probably a plenty. He's already getting phone calls from people asking how they can help him. Well, there was a there was a rumor that is whipping around the, some money circles in Silicon Valley right now that you know Glenn Beck and Ben Shapiro both are out separately looking around for two hundred fifty million dollars to launch a Tucker Vertical. And uh, look, I think it'd be, I think it'd be fascinating. But my feeling, I, 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 in some ways, the guy's rich; he doesn't need the money, right? Um, at this point. And he's he's worth the you know four hundred million dollars from what I'm told, and and, he, and the the idea of of staying in the spotlight in some ways and like pulling off one more great big transgressive scam mm. by running for president, I, I you know and for everybody who when I tweeted it the first time they're like oh don't say that you'll make him think about it I'm like look guys you have to always plan for the worst case right well I mean, we certainly we, do we've that. learned that we've learned that over and over again mm. now that you cannot imagine that you're going to get away with like some good outcome in this in this political climate we live in yeah i mean you, you mentioned like shapiro and beck uh, again i why would tucker tucker just got done being rupert's employee i can't imagine him being you know oh, been been god, shapiro's employee god no right god um, no and so you know i i think that you know they can try that all they want but you know he'll he'll do what he's he's ready to do um and yeah, look, I, I think that, you know, is he going to run for president? You know, he'd be, it, it would be fascinating if we were watching it like on HBO on Sunday nights. I'm not sure I want <laughs> right. to live through it in real life. Um, but it would certainly, you know, I mean, the thing is, Rick, you know, that whether they want to admit it or not, both Trump and, and Carlson, they have sort of a symbiotic relationship, which is Trump's the leader of the movement, but Tucker's its tribune. Um, oh yeah, and they they those people love him for it. And you know, one thing um, I was interviewing Tina Wynn from Puck, who you know well. Um, you know, of most course. of his audience is not the old sclerotic Fox News, you know, octogenarian, no. septuagenarian. They're people my age, you know, my demo, uh, you know, white guys yep. in their forties with families in the suburbs, educated, probably successful. Um, you know, one that it, it, as a proud Gen Xer, it shames me that so many so many of my cohort watch him. Um, but he brings a whole different audience to the to the you know table. I don't know that it necessarily translates into political success. But to your point about the spotlight, he does have power. Tucker has had power, real life political power. Oh, yeah. um, In the past, you know, as we talk about, you remember he he defenest he defenestrated t- Ted Cruz right on the air for calling you know oh, yeah. the, the January sixth insurrection a riot. Um, so he can, you know, make or break people, as you've noted previously. Ron DeSantis was desperately hoping to win the Tucker Carlson primary, um, and I think Tucker he was, was bragging. He was bragging, bragging that he was in the process of winning it. Right, and and Tucker and, uh, very well, you know. Look, we know we know Carlson hates Trump, no matter whether or not he bent the knee two weeks ago. We know he hates him, and, right? And right. Trump is fine with him, I think, for now because he, you know, you know, he sufficiently, rem- you know. He sufficiently admitted how the world worked, at least for now. Um, but mm-hmm, you know, running mm-hmm. for president, you know, is one of those things where Trump has been able to defy an awful lot of political gravity. Maybe Tucker could too. 
Um, but Tucker's never been a candidate for office, and we shouldn't assume that he gets the same sort of discount rate on bad behavior that Trump has for nearly his entire life. That's a really good point, is that it's so much of Trump's like creepiness and weirdness and racism was baked in the cake. Yeah. And he's been doing and it for while 50 Tucker years. is a right. While Tucker is a very known quantity, he may not be uh as as and there is something about Tucker that's not Trump can occasionally have a certain charm about him. And Tucker's just he he, he his, his 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 dick affect is just like the defining characteristic of the guy's entire sort of life. What do you think it does though, Reed? And we've talked about this a little bit to this enormous feeder system, this enormous right-wing media ecosystem that very frequently was downstream of what Tucker had said on any given weeknight. Right. I, I don't think we've seen how disruptive that is yet. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that's a good point. And I could, you know, Rick, you, you understand that cesspool, that subterranean, you know, mess better than I do. I could never tell whether or not the crazy started somewhere on Telegram or Facebook and spun its way to Carlson. Or if it started with Tucker and he spun it downstream, I, I could never figure out which one it was. And on some days it might have been one and some days it might have been the other. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, is it, you know, they're going to have this rotating cast of, of you know, characters tr- trying out, basically. You know, right, by all accounts, right, Jesse right. Waters, you know, seems to be the person that, that Tucker's viewers identify with most. Um, but that's right. Tucker's actually a smart guy, whether you like him or not. Uh, Jesse Waters is adult. Um, he's the Ron yeah. Burgundy of Fox News, just reading off the teleprompter. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 maybe, maybe he. I'm re- Jesse Waters. Right, exactly. <laughs> maybe he recoups some of those people, um, but he can't channel. You know, it's just like when, you know, Jesse Waters is, is the analog of Ron DeSantis in this, in this play, um, which is Waters can mm-hmm. say it. But it's not native. It's like through Google Translate, just like DeSantis has to do to MAGA, right? Which is, you're not, right. it's not innate. Um, now, Tucker wasn't innate until he was. Um, and he understands what he wants to do and why he wants to do it, right? Jesse might be happy to piss people off and to own the libs, but he doesn't spiritually feel like, you know, oh, I need to talk about critical race theory or the great replacement theory or all this other stuff like Tucker right. did, which I think he, Rick, I do b- believe he has crossed over. I think he really does believe in it. Oh, I, I think there was a period of time and the Tucker, we all knew in like the, in the late nineties and two thousands in DC, that guy was sort of a, you know, jolly nihilist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's actually sort of decided he's going to really live these ideas now. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a part of him that, has become very submerged in the white replacement theory in this, in this idea that there's this gigantic liberal conspiracy that runs everything in the universe and that only he can. And and can I just say something about that? Rick is, is we have made many, many friends (laughs) in the democratic party and the left side of the, of the political world. And they are very, very kind people and they are sweet people, but these are not people who are managing anything. Right. No, they are not people who are going to, organize a giant global conspiracy to impose full communism. No. They're not even clear like what the means of production are. Right. So, but God, but it is, it is though that, that Tucker, that's one of the things that's always like a through line the last couple of years is the liberals are all, they're, they're, they're coordinated there. It's such a matter of huge projection oh, sure. that it, it's, it's almost laughable sometimes, but that, that ecosystem, I think there's going to be a weird ripple effect. And I think there are going to be a lot of competitors to the throne, not just at Fox, but who now want to become a 
the, a major player in this space. And certainly all the the B and C tier conservative media outlets are are jumping out of their skin trying to get on well, this thing. And I think you're actually making a really good point, Rick, here, which is we should expect that it's going to get a lot worse because people are going to try, just like so many leaders in Republican-led states are now trying to out-Trump Trump and out-MAGA out MAGA, you're going to see a mm -hmm. whole bunch of people who want to out-Tucker Tucker. And that's going to drag everything deeper and darker into the black hole that, you know, the sort of America first slash MAGA movement has become. Uh, they, right. Nothing will be off limits. I mean, think about it. You know, I, I, I don't know if you heard this, but, you know, one of the stories was that Tucker left, you know, Fox, you know, he left Fox, not the other way around because, you know, he was sick of not having enough editorial control. I mean, literally, Rick, the only thing they didn't let him do was say the N word on the air. So, like, I'm not sure what editorial right. control they're talking about. Um, yeah. But it's going to be – we should assume everything, you know, uh, as, as your friendly neighborhood Cassandra's here, you should assume everything's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, for sure. So let's jump on to another subject here that is uh, – that is that to my mind is one of the serious grown up things that we that that in politics people out in the world tend to hear the the, the words debt ceiling and their eyes glaze over and they stop and they stop thinking about it and they're like what's the latest thing that sets people on fire but this is what we're seeing right now that Kevin McCarthy's paying the price for getting the crazies on board mm -hmm. and he's proposing a debt ceiling limit that is debt on arrival and and has got the car in in fifth gear, headed towards the edge of the fiscal cliff, uh, with no real solution to get out of it. Talk to folks a little bit about why this is so consequential and why this is going to suck so bad. If Kevin doesn't make the un most unkevin decision ever and uh, put his job at risk, well, I mean, to, uh, to win the day. I don't, I don't think sometime between the next four and six weeks he's suddenly going to be able to grow his spine. So he is an invertebrate of epic proportions. Um, but I would say this is that one thing I think we need to remember about this, Rick, and, and we should say this more and say it more loudly, is this is Kevin McCarthy and Republicans not wanting to pay their bills. These are their bills they're unwilling to mm -hmm. pay, right? This is yep. money yep. they spent. This is a credit card they ran up the limit on and they don't want to pay for now, right? And they're talking about and this is, you know, the ultimate, you know, the GOP should be the gaslighting operation, you know, patrol or whatever, right? Because that's all they do now, right? And, you know, talking about, you know, tax and spend liberals and all the other stuff that they've always talked about. This is the truth is, is that they raised the debt limit three times under Trump without connect, without without strings. They right. slashed tax rates, both personal and corporate, and cost the government a bunch of money. And look, Rick, I'm no big high tax guy, right? No, um, but I am, no uh, but, but I am not a, but I'm not a fiscal nihilist either. Um, and so now what McCarthy's in trouble for is what we always knew he was going to be in trouble for. He knew this was coming. He knew that he had no capacity whatsoever to stand up to the Taliban 20. Um, you know, he's, he's, his bill cuts, you know, veterans funding, it cuts SNAP benefits, right? And these are, you know, these are not only, not only is this bad policy and inhuman policy, Rick, inhumane policy. These are Republican voters, right? The downscale, economically white voter is a Republican voter. You're now going to hurt them. Veterans, I don't know if it's disproportionately, but proportionately vote for Republicans. You're hurting them, not to mention, like, these are people who serve the country already, right? They've already done their service, and now you're like, eh, I don't know about it. Um, but, you know, he had to put mm -hmm. things in there that, you know, every, first of all, 
no one gets off the hook as far as Republicans are concerned. They all voted for this thing in the U.S. House, right? All of them, all 217 that were available voted for it. And then they cheered as if they'd done something great, you know, when it passed. Um, and so what happens if it goes south? Um, you know, the stock market tumbles, interest rates go up, everything's more expensive. Um, and look, you know, they're out there, right, with the helps, uh, help of their friends in St. Petersburg, Russia, saying Joe Biden is going to wreck the economy. Joe Biden's going to tank the economy. Joe Biden's going right. to cause a run on right. the banks. When the truth is, is that the uncertainty is causing this. And and one last thing before I stop, uh, shut up, Rick, is one thing that all of our friends need to remember, whether or not they're political, whether or not they're listening, watching or live in a bank is this is an ideological fight for these people. It has nothing to do with paying bills or the government's finances. It has everything to do with sowing chaos to the point where they can blame Biden and they can reelect Trump. And that, that really is the, the, the core underpinning of this. They have a belief that if the economy is crazy, if things are off the rails, that that is an assist that they can get where, where Trump gets to come in and say, remember the good times, and he can try to wash over a lot of the other billion defects and failures and fuck-ups and evils right. that he that he committed. I mean, it's it just... So, folks, when you hear the debt ceiling stuff, try not to switch it off in the next few weeks because this is going to be a hell of a fight. It's going to be a fight that really will decide what the economy looks like in 2024, and that is a big factor. Everything else can go right for Joe Biden. Everything else can go perfectly smoothly for Joe Biden. But if we're in a stock market crash or a housing crash uh, that's brought on by these assholes, it's going to be a higher hill to climb. Yeah, and look, I mean, long. Rick, if, if, if for the folks listening, if you thought that your IRA and your 401k took a hit last year, wait till these idiots get done with you. You'll never retire. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll, be working at, you'll be working at Waffle House at age 80. And, uh, now, if I got so, free food, I would do that. Listen, uh, there are two things about Waffle House. It's always open, no matter what the weather, and uh, and and this and and it's reliably good food. Right. I mean, I, I I have no hate for Waffle, no, I House. Love Waffle House. As a listener to this podcast, you know democracy is in danger in America and beyond. This titanic challenge requires a powerful response, and that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. We're a pro-democracy network. The Enemies List is just one part of Resolute Square's pro-democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits. Exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Joe Trippi. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly, as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com slash enemies to let the world know where you stand. Everybody's got a morning ritual. I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So I got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks 
It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle, the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. So moving on to our next topic, Reed, and, and this is, you know, this week, Joe Biden has announced his run for presidency, came out with a video on it. How do you think that rollout went? Just to give people some perspective on the politics of it, you and I have both been to big presidential rollout announcements, including for reelects. This was a more modest sort of approach to it, but I, I happen to think that it was a pretty good uh, tone and, and content to it. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, well, one is I'm, I'm glad the president did it, and I'm glad he did it now, um, because I think that, as you know, Rick, uh, any uncertainty in life, but certainly in, in Washington, D.C., wants you know somebody wants to fill that vacuum. And so, you know, the chattering class were chattering. Um, so he's in. That's good. Um, the video they produced, I thought, was very good. Uh, I thought so. For a couple of reasons. One, I mean, look, well-produced. That's fine. It's the president of the United States. But two, because it set the, it set the tone that, you know, most de- de- a lot of times Democrats don't do, which is you know, prescription drugs and policy and blah, blah, blah. He said, this is about freedom. This is about individual liberty. Right. This is the term. These are the terms of this fight. And I think it's big. And I think it's important. He started uh, in Philadelphia last, you know, September, talking about the fact that this is about mm-hmm. American democracy. And you know what? Americans agreed in 2022. And so now it's the president's job and our job, Rick, to get Americans to continue to agree that this is this, as as he said in 2017 in the Atlantic, this is the fight of our time, right? And and he knew that six, seven years ago, whatever it was, six years ago. Yep. And it's still the same today. And so I thought it was very good. I think that the White House and his campaign and his advisors understand who he is. They've been most of them have been with him for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, too, that, again, he gets to keep being president of the United States. While now it looks like, thankfully, um, you know, Trump will have somewhat of a primary fight over the summer. I was afraid it was going to be over in June. But if 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 Ron DeCastro is really going to you know get in next month, then, um, you know, it'll be a fight for a few months anyway. And that's good because we want the president to have as much clear, clean air as he can get. I think the, the the Republican primary being over too soon. I mean, we, we I think you and I both always had the appro- the approach that Trump's advantages were so consequential that it was always going to end up being him. But it was mm-hmm. a matter of was it going to be in July the year before or January the year of the election. And right. the longer the longer we can throw chum in the water and make those guys fight each other, I think the better it is for Biden. As you as you pointed out correctly, I think that was, I think that's I think that's one of the things that. That, you know, the president, uh, I, I think we've settled down a lot of the BS that was and the muttering in the Republican or the Democratic side of, you know, it needs to be Gavin or Pete or somebody else. And I think a lot of that has calmed down now appropriately. Right. And, you know, uh, DeSantis is, I mean, the, he is a guy that has crashed to earth faster than almost anybody I've ever seen in politics. Like the the delta between the expectation of what he would be as a candidate and the reality is just it's astounding. Yeah, it is. Even for us, and remember, we were at a major newspaper in December, and we said that very thing. And even yep. I'm shocked, Rick, that we weren't strenuous enough in like how overbought this guy was. Um, yep, he is he is bad. I mean, really, really bad at this. 
Um, yeah. And I don't – I mean bad's probably not the right you know, adjective. I'm sure I could use one that's probably less family friendly. But as somebody who's been through this so many times and seen the best and the worst of yep. campaigns at the national level, this campaign is a disaster. It will be a disaster on day one. And Rick – I'd say this, they just, you know, I think the Guardian just published, you know, who's going to run the thing. And I know you've been mm -hmm. tracking that too. Mm -hmm. These people would be lucky to survive to the 4th of July. Um, uh, the the, single... As someone who got thrown out on his keister, having been the first person on a, you know, a part of the first crew of a presidential campaign, you rarely survive. These people won't either. And, and, and honestly, I mean, the real, the real talk here is not one of the people on the announced list of folks that would be in the campaign has played nationally. Not one of them. They've grown up. Yeah, in the and you know the the idea of you know look, I mean, if Trump when Trump announced what two weeks after election day, twenty twenty two, yeah, whatever it was, ten days. Um, you know, Nikki Haley got in. Now DeSantis is going to get in. If DeSantis gets in, maybe now Pence gets in. Right? You'll have the sort of fantasy football mm -hmm. draft. Oh, I got to go get my kicker. Right? Um, <laughs> you know, um, and so you know you'll start to see travel to Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Um, so we'll have some of the hallmarks of a regular primary campaign. Uh, the difference is, is that, you know, you've got the big hairy orange gorilla and then, you know, all the pygmies trying to chase him. Um, and so far, I'll say this. I mean, DeSantis, even if he's done it badly, DeSantis has been the only one who's even been willing to take a, a sort of muted shot at Trump. The rest of them haven't gone anywhere near it. And it'll be interesting to see as DeSantis ramps up his fight whether or not other people go after Trump or if they go after DeSantis to say, like, if it ain't going to be, it sure as hell ain't going to be him. Yeah. And, and, and to look back on the, what, what you said a minute ago, it's like, these are people in a, that have, that are very Florida centric and Florida has a great Republican party, but you grow up in that party and there's a certain sense of like, Oh, everything will always go our way. We'll always have the most money. No one will ever right. punch us in the face. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. We'll always have, you know, 50 times the resources and warm bodies as everybody else. And that's just not how it works when you get out in the States and you can't hide your candidate as the, as the DeSantis people do behind a wall of friendly uh, reporters at every press conference. I mean, they, he has a series, he's like three or four of these weirdo little local Florida websites and they call on like Florida Eagle Republican Patriot News. Okay, great. Uh, and it's none of it's going to work that way. None of it's going to every every presidential campaign. And you and I have both been around the block. Right. Every single one of them gets to Iowa and gets to New Hampshire and gets to South Carolina. And everybody's beautiful plan that they wrote on paper back in either um, Salt Lake or or Phoenix or right. Washington or wherever they wrote their beautiful plan collides with a bunch of crusty locals collides with debate performances that no matter how smart you think you are, you can still step on it or step in it. And, yeah. and the uncertainties of that with an inexperienced staff become much more pronounced and much more vivid. Yeah. And, you know, then you add the, you know, the complexity of again, multi-state travel, right? Three, four, five day swings. If you're serious, right. Mm -hmm. About doing this stuff, all the logistics that go into this stuff. Now, Look, a DeSant Ron DeSantis is going to get requests. They're probably already fielding them from national outlets to say, like, when you travel, we want to travel with you. 
Right. Does that mean a bigger airplane? You know how much more a bigger airplane costs? Do you even really, you don't even like these people anyway. But let me say this. If you don't care and feed for them, Rick, as you know, oh, they, they will tell will. the story that when they're on the bus or they're on the plane, right, or they're, they're chasing you in whatever suburbans they've rented, they will decide what story they're going to write about you because you won't give them any. Right. You, they they won't come you to your- them out of your events- Right. Right. They're going to go find every Trump supporter in Ottumwa they can find to say, well, I wanted to get in to see Governor DeSantis, but he wouldn't let me. So Trump's my guy. Uh Uh-huh. And they're going to go to New Hampshire and Ron DeSantis will refuse to sit down for two hours with the Merrimack County Republican State Committee man to talk about George Soros or the gold standard or whatever other shit that that guy loves. And he'll and and he'll walk out the door and go, nah, I. I'm going to have to meet with DeSantis four or five more times before I'll endorse him. And it's never right. going to happen. <laughs> right. And you already got two South, not one, but two South Carolinians in the race. Right. So, you know, you finish, you figure it'll be Trump. Then, you know, one of the other ones, second and third, and then DeSantis fourth, if he gets that far. Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, and look, I think, I think there's a scenario where there will still be a lot of wannabes that are out there watching. And as they see DeSantis not quite closing the deal, I think you may end up with more names in the field. We could end up with one of these, you know, Trump as the giant, you know, holding 50 plus percent of the vote and everybody else scrambling around, scrambling around beneath him, you know, basically vying for 2028 or to be secretary of transportation or vice president or whatever. Yeah, I, you very well could be right. And that's that's the thing is, um, you know, we the the thing the other thing about aside from the craziness is how quickly things can change to your point it could you know it if you wanted to run for president and remember john mccain did this in 2007 if you said i got no money but i want to run for president you can go camp out in iowa you can go camp out in new hampshire right, right? You stay at the days in baby <laughs> portsmouth residence in or wherever the hell it is right um, and just go and go and go and go because maybe I, I mean, I was a bigger state, so it takes a little bit more to get around. But like, again, if you go to all, if you say, I'm going to go to all 99 counties and you go to all 99 counties, right. From, from, you know, Iowa city to, to Sioux city oh yeah right, and back again into council bluffs and Indianola and all the other places, you know, you'll pick up some right. votes because and, people are like, well, and- I met him. I never met this other guy. Right, but that um, but that, and, re- and that relies might be on some something DeSantis can never deliver. See, the re- Republicans always felt like they already knew Donald Trump. They'd seen him on The Apprentice. They felt like he was their guy. He would have them to his big rally parties, and it was this this show. Right. Well, the thing about DeSantis yes. is, if you're going to go camp out in Iowa or New Hampshire, you have to go out to those places, and you have to do one-on-one individual meetings. You have to talk to human beings and he is not a person who talks to human beings. He's just not. He can't or won't do it. Well, and you know, there's also, you remember that there used to be a straw poll, right? In the summer of the off year um, in Iowa that would, you know, was, it was really just a fundraiser for the Iowa Republican party, but it was, it, it, it it took on sort of this idea of, you know, organizational strength that, you know, pointed to support. And basically if you spend enough money, you could win the thing. Those don't happen anymore, right? Since I think two thousand seven, or maybe they gave it. Maybe wrong. I know. I I know. McCain, McCain didn't. didn't McCain didn't do Woody it. Did uh, yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it died after seven. Yeah, because because you know McCain didn't want to get. He knew Iowa wasn't his place, so he didn't want to get stuck there. 
Um, but there's no really, you know, after Trump, there's none of those markers anymore. Um, and look, if I think if DeSantis gets in, Rick, he'll, he'll probably pick up two or three points in the survey, in a, sure. in a survey just because sure. he got in. He'll start to show up again. And here's like what I think we should we shouldn't count on, but we should expect to see is that if you see any moderating of DeSantis's numbers, um, you know, that'll start the, the chum in the water again. But it will also generate so much light, heat and ugliness out of Trump. Right. That like, you know, he'll go full. Oh, death star yeah. And, oh, right, yeah. Full, you know, double reaction. Oh, he hasn't even. Um, but we should expect that kind of thing. And that's one thing I t- I've been telling people. Trump hasn't even started on Ron DeSantis yet, y'all. This has been like some love tap warm up shit. He's coming to town, and and as you noted earlier, DeSantis still even now has has a very cautious, careful uh, way to go after Trump. I did notice the never back down Jeffro Super PAC and uh, Beach House Fund is um, dropping mail in eight early states, and is and their Twitter feed at least is eight. Yeah, eight early states. Yes, eight. I don't even know what the fourth through the eighth right uh here's the thing this well i I guess nevada's fourth so the fifth through the eighth right and and folks folks uh, we'll give you a little perspective here the guy that's running the super PAC for ron DeSantis last year went through a hundred million dollars of campaigns various super PAC money and won i think one of the races he's a guy who's very good at making money not as great and everything else he's very good at like persuading candidates to hire him well, he's also being sued in Nevada for fraud. So. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a fraud case, a criminal a criminal fraud case running in Nevada against him. So that's exciting. Anyway, well, listen, Reed, I appreciate your time today. I'm going to see you tomorrow in DC, and uh, look forward to to uh, continuing our our, our five year discussion. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thanks All right, brother. See ya. Folks, back on the top of the enemies list is returning scumbag favorite Marjorie Taylor Three Toes Sloth Adulterous Rancid Scumbag Taylor Green. Marjorie Taylor Green told a woman in a hearing who was an adopted child that her parents weren't her real parents. Her adopted parents weren't her real parents. And went to it with such cruelty and such an enormous amount of bile that the idea that people who adopt children don't become parents. Fuck you, Marjorie. Fuck you with bells on. There are millions of kids in this country who are going to be born because of six-week abortion bans now who are going to need adoptive parents. They need parents who are going to love them and take care of them and, and be parents to them. And the fact that you would diminish or demean that in any way, it doesn't speak a word to the character of the people who adopt. It doesn't speak a word about the children who are adopted they often become amazing people. And the experience of my friends who have adopted has enriched their lives profoundly. But you are a cruel, sick, broken, scummy person. You're on the shit list permanently, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You're on the enemies list for good. You're never coming off. You're never coming off because you are willing to abuse the most fundamental expressions of human compassion, like adopting abandoned children. Fuck you. You're on the enemies list. You'll never get your shit together. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list. 
If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at the Rick Wilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times, please rate, review, like, blah, 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 but you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends, and if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time, and remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. Stay off the list.